welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about prostate cancer. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerodefinals.com slash prostate cancer or in the urology section of the Zero to Finals surgery book. So let's get straight into it. Prostate cancer is the most common cancer in men. It varies in how aggressive it is and many prostate cancers are very slow growing and do not cause death. Advanced prostate cancer most commonly spreads to the lymph nodes and to the bones. Prostate cancer is almost always androgen dependent, meaning that they rely on androgen hormones to grow, for example testosterone. The majority are adenocarcinomas and they grow in the peripheral zone of the prostate. There's a challenge with prostate cancer as the ideal scenario is to find and treat clinically significant prostate cancers early, but also to avoid picking up cancers that would not turn out to be clinically significant, to avoid unnecessary stress investigations and treatment. The key risk factors for prostate cancer are increasing age, a family history of prostate cancer, being from a black African or Caribbean background, tall stature, and anabolic steroid use. Let's talk about the presentation. Prostate cancer may be asymptomatic. It may also present with lower urinary tract symptoms, similar to benign prostatic hyperplasia. These symptoms include hesitancy of urine, frequency of urination, a weak flow, terminal dribbling, and nocturia, or passing urine a lot at night time. Other symptoms of prostate cancer include hematuria or blood in the urine, erectile dysfunction and symptoms of advanced disease or metastasis which may be weight loss, bone pain or corduroquina syndrome. Let's talk about the prostate specific antigen blood test. The epithelial cells of the prostate produce prostate specific antigen or PSA. PSA is a glycoprotein that is secreted in the semen with a small amount entering into the blood. PSA is an enzyme that helps to thin the semen into a liquid consistency after ejaculation. It's specific to the prostate, meaning that PSA is not produced elsewhere in the body. A raised level of PSA can be an indicator of prostate cancer. PSA testing may lead to early detection of prostate cancer, potentially leading to effective treatment and prevention of significant problems. However, the research has failed to show that the benefits of using PSA for screening outweigh the risks. In the UK, men over 50 can request a PSA test if they would like one. It's important to understand that PSA testing is unreliable, with a high rate of false positives up to 75% of positive samples don't have an underlying prostate cancer and also a high rate of false negatives with 15% of negative results being in patients who do have an underlying prostate cancer. Common causes of a raised PSA are prostate cancer, benign prostatic hyperplasia, prostatitis, urinary tract infections, vigorous exercise, notably cycling, and recent ejaculation or prostate stimulation. 
If the patient has a false positive result, this may lead to investigations including invasive prostate biopsies, which have complications and may be unnecessary. Additionally, it may lead to unnecessary diagnosis and treatment of prostate cancer that would never have caused any problems, meaning that the patient would have died of other causes before they experienced any adverse effects of the prostate cancer. If the patient has a false negative result, this may lead to false reassurance. A Tom tip for you, counselling a patient whether to have a PSA test is a common OSCE scenario. They're trying to test whether you understand the concept and the implications of false positives and false negatives and whether you can explain this to a patient to allow them to make an informed decision for themselves. Let's talk about a prostate examination. A prostate examination is performed during a digital rectal examination which involves inserting a finger into the rectum. A benign prostate feels smooth, symmetrical and slightly soft with a maintained central sulcus which is the dip in the middle between the right and the left lobe of the prostate. There's a groove down the middle of the prostate. There may be generalised enlargement of the prostate in benign prostatic hyperplasia. An infected or an inflamed prostate, a prostate with prostatitis, may be enlarged, tender and warm. A cancerous prostate may feel firm or hard, asymmetrical, craggy or irregular and have a loss of the central sulcus. There may be a hard nodule that you can palpate somewhere on the prostate gland. Any of these features can indicate prostate cancer and warrant further investigation. In primary care, these findings require a two-week wait urgent cancer referral to urology. Let's talk about an investigation called a multi-parametric MRI scan. A multi-parametric MRI scan of the prostate is now the usual first-line investigation for suspected localised prostate cancer. The results are reported on a Likert scale which scores them as 1, very low suspicion, 2, low suspicion, 3, equivocal, 4, probable cancer, and 5, definite prostate cancer. And these results are used to guide whether further investigations are needed. Next let's talk about prostate biopsy. A prostate biopsy is the next step if you suspect prostate cancer to establish a definitive diagnosis. The decision to perform a prostate biopsy depends on the MRI scan findings, for example if it's a Likert 3 or above, and to the clinical suspicion, for example the examination and the PSA findings. A prostate biopsy carries a risk of false negative results if the biopsy misses the cancerous area. Therefore multiple needles are used to take samples from different areas of the prostate. The MRI scan results can help guide the biopsy and decide where the best place to target the needles is. There are two options for a prostate biopsy, transrectal ultrasound guided biopsy or a TRUS or a transperineal biopsy. A transrectal ultrasound guided biopsy involves an ultrasound probe inserted into the rectum which provides a good indication of the size and the shape of the prostate gland. Then under ultrasound guidance, the biopsies are taken through the wall of the rectum into the prostate gland. 
A transperineal biopsy involves inserting needles through the perineum, and this is usually under a local anaesthetic. The main risks of a prostate biopsy are pain, particularly lower abdominal, rectal and perineal pain, bleeding, and there can be blood in the stools, urine or semen, infection, urinary retention due to short-term swelling of the prostate after the biopsy, and finally erectile dysfunction, although this is rare. The next investigation to talk about is an isotope bone scan. An isotope bone scan, which is also called a radionuclide scan, or bone scintigraphy, can be used to look for any bony metastases. How this works is a radioactive isotope is given by intravenous injection and this is followed by a short wait of 2-3 to three hours to allow the bones to take up the isotope. Then a gamma camera is used to take pictures of the entire skeleton. Metastatic bony lesions take up more of the isotope which makes them stand out on the scan. Next let's talk about the Gleason grading system. The Gleason grading system is based on the histology from the prostate biopsies. It's specific to prostate cancer and helps to determine what treatment is most appropriate. The greater the Gleason score, the more poorly differentiated the tumour cells are, meaning that the cells have mutated further away from the normal prostate tissue. And this indicates a worse prognosis. The tissue samples are graded 1, which means closest to normal, up to 5, which is the most abnormal. The Gleason score will be made up of two numbers added together for a total score. For example, 3 plus 4 equals 7. The first number is the grade of the most prevalent pattern in the biopsy, and the second number is the grade of the second most prevalent pattern in the biopsy. A Gleason score of 6 is considered low risk. A Gleason score of 7 is intermediate risk. 3 plus 4 is lower risk than 4 plus 3. And a Gleason score of 8 or above is deemed to be high risk. Next let's talk about the TNM staging system for prostate cancer. The TNM staging system can be used for prostate cancer and it rates the T for tumour, N for lymph nodes and M for metastases of the cancer. T stands for tumour. TX refers to being unable to assess the size of the tumour. T1 means the tumour is too small to be felt on examination or seen on scans. T2 means the tumour is contained within the prostate. T3 means the tumour extends out of the prostate. And T4 means the tumour is spread to nearby organs. N refers to the lymph nodes. NX means that it's not been possible to assess the nodes. N0 means there's no nodal spread. And N1 means there's spread to the lymph nodes. And M refers to metastasis. M0 refers to no metastasis. And M1 refers to the presence of metastasis. Next let's talk about the management of prostate cancer. Management of any cancer is guided by the multidisciplinary team or MDT meeting to decide the best course of action for the individual patient. 
Depending on the grade and the stage of the prostate cancer, treatment can involve surveillance or watchful waiting for early prostate cancer, external beam radiotherapy directed at the prostate, brachytherapy, hormone therapy or surgery. A key complication of external beam radiotherapy is proctitis, which is inflammation of the rectum, and this is caused by radiation affecting the rectum. Proctitis can cause pain, altered bowel habit, rectal bleeding and discharge. Prednisolone suppositories can help reduce the inflammation. Brachytherapy involves implanting radioactive metal seeds in the prostate. This delivers continuous targeted radiotherapy to the prostate gland. The radiation can cause inflammation in nearby organs, such as the bladder causing cystitis or the rectum causing proctitis. Other side effects include erectile dysfunction, incontinence and increased risk of bladder or rectal cancer. Hormone therapy aims to reduce the level of androgens, for example testosterone, that stimulate the cancer to grow. They're usually used in combination with radiotherapy or alone in advanced disease where a cure is not possible. The options are androgen receptor blockers, such as bicalutamide, GnRH agonists, such as guzarelin, which has a trade name of Zolodex, or luprorelin, which has a trade name of Prostap, or a bilateral orchidectomy, which is where the testicles are surgically removed to take away the source of androgens, although this is rarely used. Key side effects of hormone therapy include hot flashes, sexual dysfunction, gynecomastia or the development of breast tissue, fatigue and osteoporosis. A radical prostatectomy involves a surgical operation to remove the entire prostate gland. The aim is to cure prostate cancer which is confined to the prostate. Key complications of a radical prostatectomy are erectile dysfunction, and urinary incontinence. So thanks for listening to this episode on prostate cancer. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast and hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about epididymoorchitis.